Hello, my name is Kiana W. Mitchell, and I am a singer, songwriter, podcaster, and relationship coach. I am also a Christian who for years grew up in a religion that taught me to fear God instead of have a relationship with God. It wasn't until I lost my religion and developed a relationship with God that I was able to understand how much God really loved me. Each one of us have a story to tell about how we found God. Each one of us have taken a different path and a different journey to find God. So join me as we go on a journey through interviews and music to discover how people find God. I'm winning. Can't tell me I'm Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Finding God Podcast. I'm your host, Kiana W. Mitchell. Our guest for this week is Paul Granger, and I met Paul when we first were matched on a podcast match site called Podmatch. Now, this is a site where podcasters are matched with potential podcast guests. I have to admit that I was a little skeptical about this at first, but the interview with Paul turned out to be an amazing, awesome interview, and I absolutely loved what he had to say about how he realized that it was about having a relationship with God versus religion. So without further ado, here's the interview that I did with Paul. Hello, Paul, and thank you so much for being a guest on the Finding God podcast. It is a pleasure to have you here. I'm glad to be here, and I'm glad that it all worked out that we weren't even planning on talking today, and here we are. And so I'm excited because that means God must know something we don't. <laughs> exactly. I am always excited when interviews that may have seemed like they almost fell through the cracks actually works out because it seems like the interview is so much better and the things that you have to share is always amazing. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Yeah, my pleasure. All right. Well, I'm going to ask you the starter question that I ask every single guest in the podcast. And the question is, what was your childhood like? Hmm. Man, that's a that's a hefty question. That's like a full podcast question. Um, you know, and there's so many directions I could go. I mean, the, in terms of finding God, and I think the starting point is I always went to church. I grew up baptized as an infant. And so I always knew what it was to be in church. But that's what I really love. What struck me as I was coming into this time is this idea of finding God. It's, it's almost like this adventure, this journey. It's not a given, but it's this progression of, no, we actually have to, to find him. And the verse that it made me think of was James 2, 19, which says, you believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. And this idea that just knowing that God exists is one thing. But actually finding the one true God, actually being relationship is another thing. And so I had gone to church, but it wasn't until middle school when I actually began to ask the questions of, well, wait a minute, who is this God that apparently I believe in? Yeah. What, what does this mean for my life? How should this impact me? And it was an interesting journey because there are all kinds of things that can influence that, both the church that I go to, or the people that I'm friends with, 
a big influencer for me was God is called father. But at age five, my father passed away from a heart attack. And so my concept of father was a bit skewed. And so it was hard to understand how to relate to God as father when one, I barely remembered my own biological father. And Mm -hmm. two, I was resistant to my stepfather. He was, he's an amazing man, but my young brain was like, but he's not my dad. So I'm going to call him by his given name. (laughs) And, and so I found myself in this place of having to really search for God to actually be intentional about asking those questions, intentional about stepping into spaces and being humbly willing to discover something that I might not have known I would discover, might not have known I needed to discover. Because again, if you go to church all your life, there's this assumption that you know who God is. And I'm stepping into the space of saying, well, maybe I don't. And so my youth kind of captured a lot of that. That is amazing. And it's funny that you brought up the whole part about your father and not really knowing that gave you a skewed vision of who God was. Because I was just thinking today, I had a similar situation as a kid because when I was 10, my dad just 11, actually, he just walked out. Like one day he was there, the next day he wasn't. And so, of course, when I would hear in church, because I also grew up in church. So when I would hear God is like your father, of course, so I would pray for something. And if things didn't go my way, I'd be mad because Mm -hmm. I wouldn't think that maybe it's not good for me or maybe I just don't need it now. I would just see, okay, so my dad left. So here's another father, you know, letting me down, not coming to me when I ask or whatever. So it is important to think about things like that. So the fact that you thought about this, Of course, I didn't come up with that until I was in my 20s, (laughs) but you Mm. thought about it in middle school and you were able to say, okay, now who is God? I find that to be so amazing. Was there any particular incident that happened to you that made you just say, who is God? Like, was there one thing or was it just a progression of things that led you to that point? Yeah, I would say it's a progression of things. Uh, But one story I find myself telling often, and it's such a an interesting and simple story, but it was when I was in middle school and I had a close friend who was also a Christian, his family, they were strong believers. And one day he comes into the gym where we would gather in the morning and he's got, he's gotten a haircut, but not just any haircut. He asked his dad to shave a cross into his head. So the cross is protruding up everywhere else is shaved all the way down, but there's this cross on his head. We're in middle school. Yeah. You don't do something like that in middle school. And I'm, I'm already gearing up for the guys behind me to start laughing at and making fun of them. I was starting to concoct schemes of how can I help my friend to avoid having his entire middle school like life ruined. Yeah. He comes and sits down and he hears the laughter. He hears the jokes. And whereas I would have gone and gotten rid of that cross, he was like, I, this is something I believe in. I don't want to just shave my head because people are laughing because the cross is important to me. Jesus is important to me. And that was the first moment that I remember witnessing somebody making their faith, not just deeply personal, but doing so at the risk of harm. And suddenly I was like, I have never experienced that personally. I've, since I grew up in church and everyone around me said they were Christians, I've never had to face harm because of my beliefs. So what in the world do I believe? What is it that I'm claiming? What is it that I am pursuing? 
And apparently, based on this instance, I should probably know the answer to those things before I keep moving forward. Otherwise, what am I even doing? I'm just putting on a sticker that says Christian, but it's not something that impacts my entire being. Wow. That says a lot that you thought about that. And good for your friend. And the thing I liked is that he didn't just go shave it off. Because a lot of kids, like you said, would have shaved it off or maybe they wouldn't have done it. But he was so confident in what he believed. And he felt this strongly and personally. It's like he really felt that relationship that he had to go and do this because there's no other reason why he would go do this if he didn't honestly and truly believe what Mm -hmm. he was passionate about. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So after that happened, what steps did you take to try to get to know God on a personal level? A lot of it was starting to get more engaged on my own volition. So up to this point, I went to church because my mom took me to church. (laughs) And I went to a small church, a little teeny Presbyterian church where the youth group for most of that time was my brother and I. (laughs) The biggest our youth group ever was, was like five of us, but it wasn't consistent. And the congregation on its busiest day was like 25 people. Wow! And so we're talking small church in the point of uh, my brother and I took piano lessons. We were not piano players. We just took piano lessons, but we were small enough that I would say, hey, Paul, why don't you come and play? And I'm like 10 years old going up to the piano, like all scared because <laughs> I don't know how to play this. And so I didn't necessarily want to go to church. Right. But after this point, I started to think, well, what does it look like for me to actually personally choose to engage, to personally choose to not just go to church, but engage that context, engage that body of people. And once I got into high school, that became a little easier because I either had friends that could drive or eventually I could drive. So I had more mobility. I definitely, by way of God doing this, I ended up getting connected with another church. And it happened because a friend of mine, another strong believer, was inviting a group of us to this Wednesday night uh, worship night that they would do. And so I grew up in the country, so there's nothing to do. So we're like, all right, (laughs) here's something to do. So we we go out and I play bass as well, uh, more play around with bass, right? So at the end of it, my friends and I are sitting at the back. Uh, We're going to leave in a little bit. We're in the back and I'm looking up and somebody's playing around with the bass, the the bass is for the band. And I'm like, man, I want to play around with the bass. And suddenly this guy stops short, turns out to be the youth pastor. He's like, you know how to play bass? (laughs) Apparently they were losing their bass player. They needed another bass player. So next thing I know, they've set up this lunch at like Waffle House or something. And I'm sitting with the youth pastor, the pastor, the worship leader, and they're all trying to like get me. I'm like 14 or 15 at the time to come play in their band. And I'm like, I guess so. (laughs) So suddenly I'm a part of this band, which at that time, they were also wanting to do an album. And this wasn't any album anybody would ever heard of, but this was a big deal for is Mm -hmm. the Letcher Worship Show is the name of the the group. And they went to this place about 45 minutes to an hour away, the studio. Uh, There was a bass there that the basis for DC Talk, for anybody that goes (gasps) way back to DC Talk. Okay, I kind of go back to DC Talk. Oh, man. (laughs) And, and the guy who ran the shop, I think he was title money. So he was trying to sell off these things. He's like, Hey, the, the guy from DC talk played this bass and I'll sell it to you for a thousand dollars. I'm like, I'm 14 years old. <laughs> I've never even seen a thousand dollars, much less have access to it. But 
this became a new spiritual family for me. There are people close to my age, which was great. The, the youth pastor was very engaged, very involved. And in fact, there were a number of people that I was able to develop really close relationships with. And it opened up a lot of opportunities to live out my faith beyond just a two-hour window on a Sunday. So what does it look like for it to flesh out into my everyday relationships, my everyday interactions? Um, and so, yeah, it was just, I feel like between that and then in high school, getting more engaged and more involved. So we had the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And I was not an athlete, but that was our core <laughs> Christian group at the school. And I was so involved with it that by the end of my freshman year, they asked if I wanted to come and be an officer. And I ended up eventually becoming president, which was hilarious awesome. to me because I'm president of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes and I don't play any sports. So <laughs> I don't know how that works. I got Fellowship of Christian. So two out of three, that's all right. Uh, we had Young Life and I got very involved with that. There was a point where they ended up pulling it from our school for some reason. And a few of us were like, no. And so we just started running it ourselves, which I would not advise, but <laughs> we just started running our own young life. Uh, and even small things like, uh, you know, I have to give my mom credit. I think this started because she wanted to hang out with her friends, but she had some friends whose sons were my friends. And so one day she said, hey, you know, what if we go over to Ben's house and you and Ben and Scott can hang out and the moms will just go do their own thing. And you know, I think I was like 13 or 14. I was like, oh, okay, sure. And the moms are having a good time talking, but we start to hang out. And this started this little Bible study that we would do. And it started to grow and grow until eventually we started to be able to drive. And there's a dozen of us at Hardee's at like 7.30 in the morning before school talking about the Bible. And when I look back, I really can't credit myself for a lot of these things. You know, I think this is the struggle sometimes when we talk about finding God. If somebody can hear stories like these and be like, oh man, I wish I was that spiritually mature at that age, or I wish I would, I wasn't. Like, <laughs> the only defining factor for me is I had had a moment where I decided to seek God. Mm -hmm. Everything else, the connection with that church was not because I was looking for a church. Right. Being a part of that band was not because they, they overheard me making a random comment that they would have missed if they had crossed a second late. You know, uh, this Thursday morning, Hardy's Bible study was not my plan. There's a number of things that were happening that when I look back, I'm like, man, God must have been really pursuing me because there is a lot that I was doing with him that wasn't my idea. And that's, you know, when we think of seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will follow. A lot of times we won't seek God because I got to get my junk together first, or I got to do this first, or I need enough time, or I don't, you know, all these reasons. Yeah. And God's like, why are you, don't, don't worry about, I know there's 2000 reasons. I'm trying to give you the cheat code. You just seek first. All of that will work itself out. You just seek first. That's how you seek me. You just seek me. Yes. And so it's been beautiful to look back at my youth and see the ways that that simple decision to seek God opened up abundantly more than I could have ever asked or imagined. Absolutely. So in the decision to seek God at such a young age, how did that transfer into your personal life as you got older into your adult years? Because so many times people who are actively engaged with God when they're younger, sometimes they stray away when they get older. Mm -hmm. So what was like, what was that like for you between later adolescence and going into college? Like, how did that work out for you? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that was another grace of God that he had started to solidify himself in me that 
there is a part of me that just wanted to keep going towards him. But the barrier that I found was the next moment after we seek God and we start to develop a relationship, the next thing we have to deal with is our perceptions of what's next, yeah. our expectations of what a good Christian is, what a good Christian should do. So one of the things that a good Christian does is go to a Christian university. <laughs> so I went, <laughs> I went to a Christian university, right? Like I didn't even scope out anything beyond that, not because I was anti non-Christian university, but it just felt like, oh, I guess if I'm a Christian, I should go to a Christian university. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, that, that isn't a guaranteed uh, way to draw close to God, right? Mm-hmm. Like just because something has Christian on the front doesn't guarantee that you will uh, discover God in the way that you think you will. Exactly. And, and so that's what I think is part of the challenge going to a Christian university. I saw a number of people who came in because it was the default, but that seek first wasn't really there. Mm-hmm. It was, they had just always been told to go to church. They had always gone to church. So just, and then they get to this Christian university because they're supposed to go to Christian university. And then suddenly they are free. <laughs> they have access to things, but even more support networks are gone. Like yeah. the, the, the person that says, wake up, it's time to go to church isn't there anymore. So now you have to make your own decisions. And I think a lot of Christians who go to Christian universities come in um, well-intentioned with hopes and dreams of engaging with God, but what they hit is life mm-hmm. and life is ruthless <laughs> and, and we are self-sufficient. So when you combine those two things, ruthlessness and our self-sufficiency to think that we can take care of it all on our own, you're going to hit moments where stuff doesn't make sense. Now you add another piece to that, that the wisdom of God is foolishness to man. Suddenly you're in a place where you're having to think on your own and you start thinking, well, how in the world did God part the Red Sea? Like, was that really, did that really happen? And how could this guy, like you start having these questions and then you're feeling guilty because, oh my gosh, am I not a Christian? Am I (laughs) Am I dishonoring God by even having these thoughts? And you get this like existential crisis at age 18, 19, and you don't know what to do. And, you know, I didn't have as hefty a hit as that, but I do remember throughout college having moments of wrestling with, is God even real? Right. And wrestling with what I should even do, because I came in thinking, I'm going to be a pastor (laughs) in my freshman year. some things happen that I'm like, I don't think I want to be a pastor. So what am I supposed to do? Because now I've locked myself into this religion and Christian ministries major. And that, (laughs) what are my career options? Because in addition to the faith expectations, we have the world expectations, right? You're supposed to get A's in school. Then you're supposed to go to a good college and you're supposed to get scholarships. And then you're supposed to figure out your major immediately and then do all the stuff and then graduate and immediately get a really good job. Like, yeah, that's the push. And if you don't know what you're supposed to do, man, that can just weigh you down. And who knows what they're supposed to do at any given point of their life. Right? No, I was just going to say that because a lot of people don't figure out what they want to do until at, until they're in their thirties. Or that's why we have people changing careers like later on in life, because you don't know what you want to do. And so to ask the 18 year old, even 20, 25, Hey, what you want to do for the rest of your life? Like, that's insane. Like, how are they supposed to know? We don't even know what we want to do. So why are we asking them? You know? Yep. And, and this is the problem is 
we as people, but also as Christians often don't really understand identity because identity is what you do. It's your job. It's your vocation. And even if you are really driven and you work hard and you can lock yourself into a career, even if you can control all those factors, Mm -hmm. you can't control if, I don't know, a pandemic hits the world and places shut down and your career is no longer an option, right? Like we get so locked into the way that life works and the ways that we're supposed to identify ourselves that when those fail, which they will, we're at a loss versus what God invites us to is to know that we are his, we are made in his image. We are his children. That is our identity. What Jesus says is we're ambassadors of Christ or what Paul says is we're ambassadors of Christ. And those are identities that exist period circumstances don't change that. And so if a pandemic hits, you can continue to be an ambassador of Christ. And so That was something that I found myself working through in college is there's this expectation of what you're supposed to do and who you're supposed to be. And I was starting to get this sense that God was inviting me to know him personally and know who I am in him. And, and I'll be honest, that's a journey I'm still on, you know, 20 years later. And there are deep things that I learned about that, that I didn't learn until well outside of college. Now, I was still trying to seek God to the best of my ability. I was still trying to know God. I was still taking steps that somebody on the outside would say, well, he's a good Christian. Look at him. He graduated from a Christian university and went right into ministry. And he worked for like no money for two years. And then he continued to not work for much. Wow. But no, like I was just trying to to seek God as imperfectly as it was going to be. And constantly make mistakes and missteps and constantly misunderstand God. And what I've learned that's encouraged me is God expected that. Because when you look at Jesus and the disciples, you see the same thing. We want to believe in our heads that once Jesus called the disciples, that would mean that they are perfect disciples, except for Judas. Well, Judas, but (laughs) but no, like if we read the stories, Peter, who God said, uh, Jesus said, you know, you are the rock that we're going to build this first church. Peter messed up all the time. Peter said some foolish stuff so much so that Jesus, he rebuked Jesus one time. And then Jesus came back and rebuked him and said, get behind me, Satan. Like, I would hope that God would never look to me and say that, right? Like, and yet Jesus still, after he was crucified, cooked fish on the seashore for Peter and hugged him and said that he loved him and Mm -hmm. still set him up in a role of spiritual authority. So the goal isn't perfection or figuring everything out. It's steps of obedience. And when we trip, we get up and keep taking more steps of obedience. Let me ask you a quick question. You mentioned a couple of things I wanted to touch on. The first thing you said that something happened when you were in college that made you realize you didn't want to be a pastor. Do you mind sharing what that was? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I don't know if I've ever, it's it's not, not even a big thing. But I, <laughs> I used to love, like, there's a way that my brain works that sometimes I will see something and see an analogy to God in that. So I remember when I was in high school and it snowed and I walked out in the snow with my dirty shoes. Cause again, I lived in the country. 
And if you live in the country, your shoes are never clean. Right. I walk out in the snow and all that kind of stuff. And I'm playing and I come back and I take my shoes off. And those things are looking clean. The rubber part's not yellow anymore. It's white. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, whoa, what? It must have been the snow. And then suddenly it clicked. Like the analogy to this pure white snow taking the stains off. How much more so that the pure white, like love of God taking the stains of and so I would love to like write these things up and send them out. Well, <laughs> I wrote one and it was talking about plants. I think I had a science class during my first year of college and we were talking about photosynthesis and how plants receive light, right, from the sun. And yeah. that is what helps them to grow. And, you know, my brain's like, ah, ha, ha, because Jesus is the light. And so we like plants when we let the light in like it can help us to grow and i wrote this thing up i don't remember anything about it but the last line was so will you give photosynthesis a chance and of course i'm like thinking man i'm clever this is good my friend who was a senior in college laughed and laughed and laughed when he saw it like he just cracked up and would not and it broke my little like fragile (laughs) self-esteem and I was like because in my mind I had equated being a pastor to writing and presenting sermons right therefore if I write something and this guy who is also a religion major and far further ahead than me is cracking up laughing at this then I must be on the wrong road now here's the beautiful thing of what God has done since then over the years this I idea of pastor has gone from being the assumption to seeing the beautiful, uh, un, uncontainable expression of what God actually intends yeah. for that. I have a good friend of mine, Chris, who he was at the time uh, an outreach pastor. And I live in a community where there's a lot of um, housing that's uh, just low income housing, a lot yeah. of uh, drug addiction, a lot of, there's been murders right around our house, a lot of struggles yeah. in our community. And part of the way that God's called me to serve is to simply be accessible. Sometimes just sitting on my front porch and having a conversation, mm-hmm. building relationships. And, you know, at one point my friend saw this happening and afterwards he looked at me, he's like, man, Paul, you're a pastor. And I'm like, I'm not a pastor. He's like, look, you don't need to have title of pastor and be at a church to be a pastor. You have right. a pastor heart. You're a pastor. And that's the thing that I've come to learn is I think that there was something true in my realization freshman year that I wasn't meant to be a pastor in the specific sense that I don't think that I'm intended to be the person over a specific body of believers in a building giving sermons every Sunday. If God calls me to that, all right, God, here I am. But I do believe that God has called me to have a pastoral heart. And to pastor in whatever settings he sets me in. I couldn't understand that at 18. Right. And even at, what am I, 38? I don't know how old. You get to an age, you don't even know how old you are anymore. I just keep going backwards. Right. (laughs) So now I'm 19. and uh, But even 20 years later, I'm still learning what that looks like. And I'm still having to break not just my own internal expectations, but even if I have a right understanding, it doesn't mean that everybody around me does. Right. And so some of the ways specifically that I've operated in the last few years, there have been people that have not understood because I've, I've not received an actual paycheck since August of 2018. Wow. And 
God called me into this very interesting space where for the last since the spring of 2019, I've lived fully off of support. And now I take that back. God called me to function in a fully support-based way. God was actually the provider. He also used people, but sometimes he provided in ways that had nothing to do with money, sometimes in ways that I still don't understand. But there are people that are kind of waiting for me to go ahead and get a real job, right? Because that's what you're supposed to do. Or if you want to be a, a effective Christian, well, you need to go and like start a ministry or be the CEO of a ministry or, or be a pastor of a church. Right. But actually I'm pretty confident that in this season of my life, God's called me to function in a way that at the beginning of this, you're like, is there any way you want me to introduce you? And I couldn't really answer because <laughs> I don't have a good way to introduce myself because I don't have those normal identifiers. I don't have those clear cut roles. Mm-hmm. My season of life, the last three years and the last six months has been defined as holding things loosely. Whatever mm-hmm. ideas I have, hopes I have, God's like, cool, be ready to just let those go if I call you to something else. And he often has. But it, the only way we can get to that point is if our starting point is seeking God first, is exactly. desiring to find God, not our career, our future, or even our purpose. Because sometimes we can put our purpose before God. Yeah. And, and that can be a problem. <laughs> Yeah. And you know, one thing I like is that when you were talking, it seems like we got, he has different plans for everybody. So we can't just put people in one cookie cutter thing and be like, okay, so this is what you do. You know, everybody's supposed to do that because maybe like you said, this is in your life. God has something for you to do where maybe you don't need to work or he has something to do. Like he has something for Paul. He has something for Jonah. He has something for everybody in the Bible. Some people worked, some people didn't, but he had a plan and he had a purpose and he had a reason. And it's funny that we're talking about this because I did an interview with someone like a couple of hours ago and we were just talking about how we are all here for a reason and how we all have a purpose. So your purpose is not someone else's purpose. It's not mine. My purpose is not yours. So what you're doing, you're doing what you should be doing at this point in your life, because I believe God leads us and he guides us. And if we're listening to him, he will guide us and lead us where we need to be. Like, to be honest, I never, ever, ever thought that I would be doing a podcast talking mm-hmm. about God, because I'm the kind of person where I'm just like, Everybody do what you want. You know, I'm not here to force anybody to do anything. As long as they're not bothering me, we're good. You know, and that's just, that has been my mentality ever since I can remember. But then once I started to, like you said, seek and have a relationship with God and realize it's about relationship and then just have time to think about how so many people who need God in their lives, not just for like to go to heaven or for anything, but like we just need God, like in every aspect of our lives and heaven, you know, is the final goal and that's the reward, but it's like, we need him in everything, mm-hmm. no matter what we're doing. And I just realized there's so many people who actually need God. And we are, chas- I think sometimes as Christians, we chase people away because we give them a list of things they can't do, can't do this. You're wrong. You know, so judgmental at times. And I, found that sometimes church can be like a place that can be the most toxic for people. So I just wanted to tell people that, hey, God's accessible. I don't care what you're doing. You know, you can be doing something wrong right now, but you can still talk to God. Because that was one thing I remember as a kid. I would be the kid who was doing something wrong. Like, God, I am so sorry. Please help me. And my mom would be like, 
you can't talk to God while you're doing wrong. And I'd be like, why not? He sees me. So if he sees me doing wrong, apparently I can talk to him. So I've always had that kind of mentality. And so I just wanted people to know that even if you're doing something wrong right now, God, and you ask God to help you, he can. And if you are an atheist or never went to church in your life, but you need God's help in a situation, you can ask him and he'll help you just like he will help somebody else who's been praying to him for years because God doesn't have respect to a person. He loves us all. And so that is what started the Finding God podcast. And I decided to go with interviews because I was just like, I know I, I grow a lot from listening to people's stories and experiences and words of wisdom. So I was like, well, maybe if people heard stories about people who found God in untraditional ways and realized that God was accessible, then maybe they talk to him. Because to me, the goal is not to lead people to religion. I think that's mm-hmm. overrated and I'm not really a fan of organized religion. But I think God is where it is. And even if people do have a religion and they go to church, I think that's good too. But it should be about a relationship with God and less focus about, oh, I go to church. Like you said earlier, just putting a sticker on and say, I'm a Christian, hey, look at me. Mm -hmm. But it's about having that relationship. And so I just think that, because I never saw myself doing this. Like this was like the furthest thing from my idea, like ever, (laughs) like ever. But the point is like, God can see, God sees us. And he's like, okay, so this is Paul's purpose. This is Kiana's purpose. This is what I need them to do. And God will work things out and he'll lead us to where we need to be. So I just think it's interesting. And the funny thing about it, when you mentioned how you want to be a pastor at first, but then you change your mind, like, nah, I don't want to do this. Mm -hmm. But I think the first calling you had was the way to go. And God is using that where he's like, okay, no, you still need to be a pastor. But like you said, the identity of the papers don't really matter because it's about who you help, who God can use you to witness to and talk to. And even a simple hello, a smile can do a lot for people. So I totally get where you're coming from. I totally do. Yeah. Yeah. And and even to press that further, because some of the things that you're saying are things that have come up in recent episodes of my podcast. And I'm the same way. I didn't start a podcast because I wanted to start a podcast. I felt like God was inviting me to do it. And I didn't, I didn't even want, I didn't want to, <laughs> I did not want to, but the sense that I've gotten is what you've just described is this. I really believe that God wants to create these spaces where we can actually discover him mm-hmm. in ways that we couldn't have just in our own studies. The way that it came out in a recent podcast is, you know, somebody comes up to Jesus and asks him, what are the greatest command? What's the greatest commandment? And yeah. Jesus says, I'm going to give you two love God and love others. And what we can do is step back and look at that and say, in other words, if those are the two greatest commandments, then it's actually giving us a picture of what the reality of life is. We were created for God and we are created for lovers, uh, for for lovers. Let me try that again. (laughs) We were were created for God and we were created for others. And, And here's what's really striking. If we take that a step back further, if we're just only engaging with God and blocking out everyone else. It's it's almost like God saying to us, I love that you are seeking me, but I need to let you know that in and of yourself, you will never be able to get full access to me because the, there are parts of me that you can only access as community, as a connection with others. And whether that looks like a functional church or podcasting and talking, I think like it can take so many different forms, but what we're talking about is 
is when people actually connect in a different way. You and I have never connected before. Exactly. And we're not just connecting as two people having a stagnant conversation. Like there is something very dynamic about this interaction we're having. Exactly. And it comes from this, this God who yes. is like bringing about this conversation has brought about things in our life that's shaping our conversation. And we are energized as though We've been friends for a long time, but that is so we don't true. know each other other than each other's names. And you know a little bit of my story. I know nothing about you, right? Like, <laughs> and so there's this beautiful thing. And, and this is, I think, the real challenge for if somebody identifies as Christian and you hear that passage about love God and love others, and you hear that passage about seek God first, and you hear these passages about identity, our problem is, is we keep on having the wrong ideas of purpose and destination. Yeah. Because when we say we all have a purpose, a lot of times what we mean by that is, what is it that I am supposed to do with my life? Well, mm -hmm. what you're supposed to do with your life is love God and love others. Right. And, and how that functionally looks is going to change season to season. But when we think our purpose is, I started this ministry. Well, what happens when the pandemic hits and the ministry shuts down because your ministry is entirely in person and now you are legally blocked, <laughs> right? Well, then how do you understand your purpose now? Your purpose has just been destroyed. And there's a lot of responses. Maybe I was wrong and I'm not a real believer. Maybe God was wrong or he's not real. Or now I'm going to fight against the government for shutting down my ministry, right? Yeah. And Scripture says the battle isn't against flesh and blood, and we can find ourselves fighting the wrong enemies so because true. we're protecting a purpose. And our purpose is to be children of God. To be, if, you, if you identify as a Christian, your purpose is to be a child of God, to be an ambassador of Christ, to seek God first, to love God and love others. And you go from that space and you take the next best step you can figure out. So if you're trying to figure out what job you're supposed to have, you pray about it, you give it to God, and you say, ultimately, God, I want to step towards you. I'm leaning towards this job. If you don't want me to do it, let me know. If you don't say no, I'm going to assume you're cool with it mm -hmm. because I haven't heard you give me a neon sign yes yet. Right. So, all right. And you take that step and then you hold it loosely because when something changes, you want to be in a position where you're holding things loosely like the Apostle Paul who had his life mapped out and mm -hmm. he was going to be the best of the best. He already was essentially the best of the best in most circles. And then Jesus is like, hey, uh, we're going to switch things up. Mm -hmm. And then his life looked the complete opposite. Yeah. He looked like he was what he used to fight against. Mm -hmm. And he looked like the lowest of the low, beaten, bruised, insulted in prison. And he's like, I'm good. Like, I am living the life God has called me to. Was his purpose to be in prison? No. Mm -hmm. His purpose was to be an ambassador of Christ. It often led him to prison, often yeah. led him to be stoned. It led him to be shipwrecked. Those weren't his purposes, but in those contexts, he lived out his purpose. And right. so as, as someone who is striving to be a Christ follower, I have to remember that I'm not going to solve that and figure that all out right now here today. And then the rest of my life is smooth sailing. Right. Tomorrow, I'm going to have to remember what it means to seek first. I'm going to have to remember what it means for my purpose to be an, it, to, for my purpose to be an ambassador of Christ. I'm going to have to remember these things as context change, as my hopes fall apart, as my dreams, as people come against me, because that that purpose, that invitation that God has given us, can exist in any context. 
-hmm. We just don't want it to be the bad context. And in those moments, that's when we start to say, God, I don't, I don't, uh, we're not going this way. So we're going to switch this up. I'm going this mm -hmm. way, or maybe God's over here too. I, I know that might be God, but I'm going to pretend like, right. Like, but the invitation remains the same. And it's a hard one because what Jesus said was we have to die to self. Yeah. <laughs> Which can be a very difficult thing to do because yeah. who, because that means you have to let go of, like you mentioned earlier, kind of your identity, like whoever you think you are, you got to let it go and be the person Jesus wants you to be and be who God has called you to be. And that may not be in line with what you want to be. So that is very difficult at times, but it's yeah, especially, something that has to be done. Well, especially when it's good stuff. Yeah. Sometimes we have to die to actual good stuff. And the reason is, is not because Jesus is cruel. It's because what Jesus knows that we just cannot seem to grasp is that he is inviting us to hold completely to him. But as long as we're holding to something else, even if it's just a little bit, even if it's a really good thing, that means we're not holding completely to him. As right. long as we are holding to something else, we cannot completely hold to him. And if we're not completely holding to him, we're holding to something that is going to fail us, that is going to fall away, that is going to lie to us, that is going to desert us. We're holding to something broken. And in our foolishness, we keep holding to broken things that will not do what we want them to do. And meanwhile, Jesus is patiently like, I'm still here. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm the way. I'm the answer that you're looking for until you let go of all this other stuff. Like, I'm not going to force you. But until you do, mm -hmm. like, you're, you're never going to hold. But once you do hold on to me, oh, buddy, buckle up because it's going to be abundantly more. Yeah. And sometimes, like you said, the power is in letting go because even, you know, if someone heard this and like, well, what, you, what are they saying? Are they saying that God wants you to let go of good stuff or whatever? I see it like this. There are times when I remember as a kid, there was this story about this little, there's candy in a jar and this girl wanted the candy. So she stuck her hand in it and she was holding it, but then her hand got stuck and she couldn't get it out. And they tried to grease her hand. They tried everything they could pull it off, but they couldn't get it done. And the mom finally was like, hey, just let go of the candy. And she didn't want to let go of the candy. Even though the candy was good, there was nothing wrong with her wanting that piece of candy. But the fact that she didn't want to let go of it and was willing to stay stuck, I think that is a problem. A lot of times, it's like, it, like you said earlier, it's not that God doesn't want us to have good things. And he doesn't want the best for us. But the thing is, God knows more than we do. It reminds me of a sermon I was listening to this morning. I think his, his name is Steve. It's from Elevation Church. I don't know how to pronounce his last okay. name. Mm -hmm. But anyway, he was talking about how so many times we are so intent on wanting the best. And we want this and we want that. But God knows what is best for us. But we can't see it because we can only go by what we know. And if what we know, this is good, I want this, mm -hmm. how can we see what God has that is so much better because we're not God. We don't know what he has for, in store for us. What he has is usually so much better than what we even know about. But because we don't know and we can't see it, it's hard for us to trust that something better could be better than what we want. And I think that's the whole thing. We just have to trust and know first that God wants what's best for us as well. So what he has in store for us is better than what we can even imagine. So the whole thing is like not to hold on things you can see because it's good, but God has something better always. And I just yeah. think that so many times we forget about that. And better doesn't always mean money. Better doesn't always mean a mansion and 
like extremely expensive cars or all your wishes and desires are filled. But better does mean peace of mind. Better does mean that maybe you have better health or whatever. It's like whatever is better for you based on who you are and, you know, what God had in store for you. That's what better is. And I think we just get so confused because we think better is always materialistic, but we don't see better as maybe yeah. being peace. And nothing can replace peace. No money in the world can replace yeah. peace of mind if you do not have it at that time. Yeah. Well, and this is why that seek verse is so important because we're on board with that. Yeah. In many contexts where we are not on board with that is when it pushes up against our logic, because, you know, what you're describing is true. And, and where we get tripped up is one, you, you named how our minds go to best as well, best is I have more than I have now. I have more money. I have more security. I have more comfort. And again, good things, like even good things. We're not even talking about greed or gluttony or anything like that. We're saying yeah. we think of good things that could even be honoring to God. Like, cause if I won the lottery, then I could give money to everything, right? right. Like I could genuinely mean that. And that in my mind is the best case scenario. But we said earlier that there's a verse that says the wisdom of God is foolishness to man, right. which means there are going to be ways, not just how God operates, but how actual reality works that is going to look illogical to us, is going to look foolish to us. And then we come back to that verse, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And suddenly that's a harder call because we have to step into foolishness. We have to do something illogical. Part of the reason I haven't gotten a paycheck is because I had my job taken from me and was never given a reason. Right. And I actually had a body of evidence where I could have fought to kept my job. In fact, as I was walking into the meeting, God had given me a heads up it was going to happen. It's a much longer story. But he'd given me a heads up it was going to happen. But as I reached for the door, my mind, the first thought was, I wonder what in the world they're going to say because there is no fireable offense. Right. And once I opened that door, <laughs> then these other thoughts start coming like, well, if they say this, you could say this. And if you say this, and like starts coming up, kind of getting my case together. And God's like, ah, 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 ah. that's not what this is about. I do not want you to defend yourself. I do not want you to protect your job. I want you to rest in who I am and who I've called you to be and operate in that space. And I went into that meeting, got fired, and I, I, was, I felt content. Was it wrong that they were firing me? Absolutely. Did I feel like it was unjust? Absolutely. But because God had told me I didn't have to defend myself and I didn't have to protect my job, I suddenly realized, oh my gosh, I don't have to fight right now. Mm -hmm. I even prayed for the two men. <laughs> I encouraged the two men who were wronging me in the moment, not because I'm any good. That was 100% God doing that. Right. But what I'm getting at is what logic says is, Paul, you are a husband, a father of two young kids. You have a baby on the way. You have a home. You have bills. You need a job. And they are unjustly taking your job right. and you have evidence. So the logical thing to do is to fight it and keep your job and show them what's what. And what God was like, is like, no, I want you to do something foolish. I want you to lose your job. And oh, hey, guess what? You'll be unemployed for six months. Oh, and then after that, you're going to live off of support. But I'm still God and I'm provider mm -hmm. and I'm going to do abundantly more than you can ask or imagine. I would not trade these last three years for my best case scenario three yeah. years ago. 
my best case scenario was pretty rock solid in my mind. And it's rubbish compared to what God has done because I was willing to die. Was it easy? No. Lots of tears, lots of hurt moments, like lots, yeah. lots of struggle, lots of times of me resisting and God and his patience kept walking with me through it. It took three years for him to really get the message in that allowed me to make that decision that led to these three years. Wow. But we're being called into something in, immensely foolish that costs us everything. And yet, and this is the goodness of God is he really does want to give us abundantly more than we could ask or imagine, which means if you right now think of the best thing you could ask for, if you right now think of the, imagine the best case scenario, Jesus looks at that and just laughs and says, I, I get why that looks good to you. Oh man, but I'm trying to do something else. And let's not forget about the apostle Paul, who, again, we said had the best case in, best case scenario on lock. And if you had asked him at that point, Hey, spitball in here. What if instead you were imprisoned and you had gotten beaten and scarred more times you can remember and people you love disowned you people you were serving insulted you. Uh, you, you could get shipwrecked. You can, Oh, and you're probably going to get martyred. Huh? How's that sound? Saul would have said, you are a fool. Get out of my way. I'm going to the temple. Yeah. <laughs> right. But the apostle Paul is sitting there like, I'm content in all situations, well-fed or not rich or poor, you know, I'm because everything else is rubbish compared yeah. to knowing Christ. Somehow Christ was enough that something we would see as awful. He was like, I love it. Keep on, yeah. keep on. That is amazing. Well, let me ask you a question. If there was someone who was looking to find God, what advice would you give them? Yeah, I think you have already given the best advice, which is whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever your situation, like you are not barred from this. Right. Uh, you know, the, I have a pastor at my church who the way he puts it is we can, I'll, I'll give you a really simple tool. And it's called Kairos or Kingdom Moments. You can call it whatever you want. But it's essentially, you make an intentional decision that each day for a week, a month, you're going to look for these moments where it's like an intersection of God and your life. And that could seem like a big concept, but that's right. You know, Kairos is like this moment in time. Kairos yeah. is time or Kingdom Moments, the moments when the kingdom comes to earth. But put another way, it's at the very least, it's this moment where it's like something, something is different here. You know, whether it's a coincidence or a really hard moment, or you feel this strong emotion out of nowhere, or you interact in a way that you normally wouldn't interact, whatever it is, you, you take these and you look for two of them each day for a week or for a month and use that as a way to basically do what we've been saying throughout this to seek yeah. first. You say, all right, God, I want to seek you. I don't, I don't even know if you exist or I believe you exist, but I just, I haven't seen you or heard you ever. And so I'm going to take a small step to do this by looking for you each day and writing it down. So if you're real, I invite you to show yourself. And what I love about this pastor is he has not just done this in, in churches, but he has done this with groups of people who identify as atheists. And the way he puts it is like, hey, let's just do like a hypothetical. Let's pretend like God does exist. If he existed, what could it look like to look for him? What could it look like to look for these moments? I've done this a few times, and it's amazing to see how God, how God shows up. But this is what's beautiful, is we want it to be like day one. Oh, man, <laughs> like <laughs> light through the stained glass. I, I'm remembering one time a few years ago doing it, 
And it wasn't till two weeks in that like there's something clicked. And then I was able to look back and say, oh man, God had been doing stuff. I totally missed it mm-hmm. because I was focused on him doing a specific thing. Right, right. <laughs> right. And so all that boils down to you could do that or not do that. But the simple way to put it is seek first is accessible to you right now, who you are, where you are, whatever you think about God. And it's as simple as just saying, hey, God, here I am. Are you real? And then sitting and seeing what happens. That is awesome. I love that. I love that. Well, if anyone wanted to get in contact with you or listen to your podcast, where can we find you and where can we find your podcast? Yeah. So the easiest way to find all that is www.wheredidyouseegod.com. So there you'll find the podcast. You find things that I've written, videos that I made. I have a resource. If you've ever wanted to read the book of Revelation or if you've been avoiding the book of Revelation, I've got a resource that makes it really accessible for anyone. It's called A Journey Through Revelation for the Person Who Doesn't Want to Read Revelation. So if you're in either of those spaces, that's free. It's available now. Um, And in the podcast, I've got two seasons that I want to just put out there and encourage people. The first was last year. If you are in a place where you are questioning God, if you've had rough experiences in the church with Christianity, if you identify as an atheist, uh, there's a series of conversations that really was a prompt from God to start that are basically a space for that. People processing some really, really, really hard things. And I really feel like God shows up in some beautiful ways through that. And then this year, since September, up till September, I had put out seven episodes of my podcast. From September to now, I'm editing the 26th episode because God had this crazy idea to push me into this season on healing, which I didn't want to do, but I felt like God was saying to do it. And I begrudgingly took some steps and here we are 26 episodes in. And I mean, we're hitting everything from miraculous recoveries to like healing not happening at all. And this is what's beautiful. When you were talking mm-hmm. about, uh, we want the best and we, we don't want hard things to happen. There are people in these episodes who are not living the best as we would understand it. Like right. God healed me before I got hit with it again. This is episode two. I got hit with again and he didn't heal me this time. And I actually wouldn't change it because wow. even though I can't walk like I want to walk, I am closer to God in my suffering than I ever was outside of that, right? Wow, yeah. Crazy, foolish stuff. And yet she is legitimately genuine in what she's saying. And so if you've been in a place where you've been desiring healing, physical, internal, spiritual, emotional, uh, mental health, or if you're just curious about the topic, you can find that on there as well. That is awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing. I'm going to have to listen to this because it sounds exciting and interesting. Thank you so much for being a guest on the Finding God podcast. And I can't wait to hear your podcast as well. Yeah, thank you so much for the opportunity. I really appreciate the conversation. Same here. This was such an amazing interview. I absolutely love how Paul talked about how developing a relationship with God is a process and it's a journey and not just something that takes place overnight. I also loved how he talked about how he had a hard time relating to God because of the fact that he did not have a good relationship with his father and how this caused him to have a difficult time relating to God. I am sure that I am not the only one who can identify with this statement because a lot of the time we draw our conclusions about God based on the relationships that we have with our fathers. So if you have had a good relationship with your father, 
it might be easier for you to relate to God as a good father. However, if your relationship with your father was not good, then it may be harder for you to connect with God as your father. I am so glad that God understands me and he understands us and can connect with us and relate to us in a way that we can understand. So this week, if you are having a hard time seeing God as a good father, I would like to encourage you to ask God to show himself to you and you will be surprised at the many ways God will reveal himself to you. Our artist of the week is Nicole Spowart and she is a singer, songwriter, and worship leader from Australia. She has been a guest on the podcast before, and today we are going to listen to her new single called Glory of Your Name.
in the podcast, I would like to thank you so much for being here with me today and for listening to another inspirational story of how people find God. If you love the podcast as much as I love spending time with you, I encourage you to share this week's episode with a friend or family member and make sure you like and follow the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. I would also love it if you would leave a review for the podcast so that you can let me know how much you are enjoying the show. If you would like to get in contact with Paul, Nicole, or myself, all of our contact information can be found in the show notes, and all you have to do is click on the links below, and you will definitely be able to get in contact with us. If you would like to be a guest on the podcast, click on the email address in the show notes, and let me know that you would like to be a guest, and I will make sure to get in contact with you and schedule a day and time to record an interview. If you would like to submit music to the podcast, click on the email link in the show notes and send me an email letting me know that you would like to submit a song for the show. In this email, send me a picture, a short bio, and an mp3 of the song that you would like to submit. Well, I think that's all for now. So until next week, have an amazing day and a wonderful weekend. Bye-bye.